Welcome to another episode of Experience the Truth. This is episode 25. And uh, 25, I mean, we're getting close to half a year worth yeah, of episodes. You know, yeah, 26 would be halfway. So next week, we got to celebrate with cake mm, since birthday we're fasting cake. right now. Yeah, so there's no, I don't even want to hear you talk about cake right now. Oh man, we could talk about food this whole episode. This whole episode is going to be on food. Since uh, that's all you talk about when you're mm-hmm. fasting. <laughs> I think we have an episode with uh, uh, fasting already with Pastor Taylor. So there's Is a plug. It, yeah. If you want to listen to that. What was that one? It was like episode seven or eight or something like that. That was right. a while back. That's right. crazy to think about. It's funny because this isn't what we're talking about, but people often ask, why Why do you even fast? And and because we're trying to manipulate God to do what we want him to do. That's why we fast. Mm-hmm. It's that is not why you fast. Why am I fast? Because I want God to do something in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you fast not to get a good God to be good. Yeah. You fast to clear out of your mind mm-hmm. and to really begin to focus on the mm-hmm. goodness of who God is so that your faith is able to line up with that goodness mm. and believe it because fasting makes you in tune to who God is. God's not changing just because you're fasting. Mm. We change when we fast, and and it causes our spirit to connect in a way with his and to believe in a different way. And, and so as much as I hate fasting, and I can't stand it, to be quite honest, all I think about is food. The, the the incredible connection you have to the word is pretty amazing. So it was uh, that was what I had a conversation last night with someone that reached out through you know our our page and TikTok, and he goes, you know, listen, man, I'm uh, like I don't believe in in God, but I'm curious, like if I'm gonna meet this like demise supposedly, if this is real, I gotta figure out <laughs> how to get on the good side of God, and and so we we <laughs> talked about a lot of different things, a lot of things that were legalistic. Uh, but one of the things he, he said, cause it came up that I was fasting and I was explaining why I'm fasting and he viewed it was like, well, you're trying to manipulate God. And I'm like, no, I just want more of him. Like, that's why I'm doing it. Like, I don't have to manipulate a good God to be good. That would mm-hmm. be a little bit weird. Right. Like, oh, hurt. He was like, so you got to harm yourself or starve yourself to be able to talk with God. I'm like, I, I'm like, I guess it's just something when you're in a relationship, like you'd understand, like I don't view, I don't even start off viewing God like that. Like he's. Well, and there's a lot of Christians that view it that way too. Yeah, they think, you know, God's true. we're saved by grace. I don't need to starve myself. Well, the reality is um, when you fast, there are things that occur, not, not to move God to do that, but yeah. that, that we're able to connect to and, and the opportunities that we start to see, there's just clarity that comes yeah. in us, not in God, clarity in us. But that's really a religious thing, mm-hmm. you know, for religion for years is saying you need to make sacrifices to get God to give you a sacrifice. You, mm. you have to do something in order wow. to get God to yeah. do something for you. And so, like, you know, if it wasn't raining and it was a drought they would have to sacrifice virgins in the mouth of the volcano because, hmm. or, or if it was about to erupt, give it a virgin, you know? So a bunch of young women who happen to be virgins would be thrown into a fight and that's religion. Everything was, we have to sacrifice something to satisfy our God or hmm. our gods. And we have to give them something to satisfy. It's a very religious 
way of looking at it. And it can seep, that mentality can even seep into Christianity and a relationship with Christ. And, and Paul says it best when it did, who has bewitched you? Yeah. And to thinking that way and 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 really what it's identifying is you're trying to mix the new wine with the old <laughs> wine. You're trying to mix the the new way of thinking, this new covenant with Christ, with your religious mentality that has messed up the entire world uh, and caused people to view God through a lens of re- religion or to uh, to interact with them in a very religious way. Yeah. Um what I one of the verses that has stuck out to me, um, and it was confirmed actually with the devotion that the campus pastor here at Farmington led, which I was like, all right, God, this is what we're going with this week. I, I, this is like very clear what mm-hmm. this week is going to be for me, um, and uh, I felt like it was the verse, you know, throw off the sin that so easily entangles you, right. so you can pursue with endurance. And like, man, I'm trying to sprint. And not necessarily just the cute sins that we hear about or we talk to behave better. Uh, and we and this is why we're talking what we're talking about today, because we talked about it yesterday. And it really, I think it started the process with what God was preparing me for this week uh, was, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of sometimes fear that I have uh, with I know the call that God has on my life and I know the things I ought to do. But it's like there, there's something that is keeping me from that. And we would like to call that procrastination, where our aspirations don't meet what we yeah. we want to do. And I found that a lot in my personal life, just being vulnerable, where, you know, I know, you know, God, you're laying this on my heart, but there's a lot of insecurities and there's a lot of shame from the past and there's a unqualifications and there's and it's really because you're you're. I oftentimes, and what God has already showed me is like, you're taking way too much credit, Alex. You're taking way too much credit. And when there's a removal of food and something that's so like such a staple in a human, in the human body, when you take that out, you realize what you really are left with. I am hungry and thirsting for the presence of God because I have nothing else. When everything's stripped away, he's my portion. He's my reward. He's the one that's going to sustain me. Um, and I think and, that I mean, that verse, I, I go ahead. Yeah. That's, that's just how I feel in this week already. There has been crazy breakthrough and things that are already happening in other people's lives. And even in this ministry so far this week, 10 people have given their life to Christ. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. it's, it's, so it's been, I'm seeing it and I feel like I have, I do have this clarity of mind, uh, and spirit as I'm just so focused on, on God, not on social media or anything else. But. Yeah, it, 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 we can get so caught up in religion mm-hmm. and trying not to do things that you really start to, 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 to exchange it, what God's called us to. You know, God took care of the sin thing yeah. so that he could set us free to do the, the impact thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, the, the Bible, yeah. you know, a question that I'll ask people on occasion and... and um, and if you're part of Bethel's Rock or ever been here, you'll hear this said a lot, is God did not, uh, you know, if you ask somebody, uh, how do you know they're saved? Well, they don't drink, smoke, chew, or date girls who do, you know, the, the yeah. common. We, we often will say, well, they don't cuss or they don't do these things, these bad things, and that's how you determine if they're a believer or not. And a lot of times the, the metric we use to determine whether a believer is a believer is not a biblical metric. Hmm. Um, the, the Bible says 
these signs follow those who mm. believe. And following means that a believer is moving. You're not just standing still. You're not doing mm-hmm. anything. You're not just sitting in a pew in a church or in a seat in a church, but you're doing things. And it says they will raise the dead. Mm-hmm. They will cast out demons. Mm-hmm. Two things that I think a majority of American Christians have never done no. is attempt to raise the dead. I think they've already decided that can't happen. Once it's dead, it's final. And and cast out demons. They don't even know if they believe in demons. Hmm. So two of the things the enemy, the, the enemy, Satan himself, has gotten us to believe is death is final and the demons don't exist. Yeah. And those are the two things that the gospel said, these signs follow them who believe. They raise the dead and they cast out demons. Yeah. And then they heal the sick. M- many Christians have either never prayed for the sick or believe that they can be b- healed or a miracle can happen mm-hmm. and that no harmful thing will touch them. And and yet, if you ask a normal Christian, how do you know that that person's a believer or not a believer? They'll say more the behavior behavior things in the sense of what they're not doing rather than ever bring up what the Bible would say, these signs follow those who believe and and then to follow them. And when you're fasting, you tend to get a clearer faith or and you kind of start doing those things. So you start to see people going out and, you know, bringing people to Jesus. And you just see that because there's a connection to the, the source. And it's more about what I am doing in the kingdom and not what I'm not doing. Like there's a desperation because you're not focusing on yourself. Right. You can't rely, can't rely on yourself when you got that hungry stomach and like fatigue. And it's like, ah, oh, this here I am. And, and that's really what it's about. Think yeah. about it. When you go to church, uh, you'll hear people, oh, I love church. Well, how do you know it's a good church? Oh, I'm just a better person. Or I, you know, I go to church and it just helps me. And this is a common thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I went to church and, you know, I'm just a better husband. Or I, I, it's all self-centered. It's all about me and what it does for me and how it makes me a better person. And we know that when you're plugged into Christ, you're going to become more like Christ, right? Yeah. But not because you tried it. Like mm. you said, not because you're the source, because God's changing you from yeah. the inside out, yeah. not from the outside in. It's not mm-hmm. knowledge that changed you. It wasn't the tree of knowledge of good and evil that changes us, mm-hmm. not knowing it that changes us, sources Christ in us. And so like you, you become more aware and what you're doing when, when Christ is taking care of who you are, you become more aware of your assignment. Mm-hmm. There's a, you know, a conversation that I had. I I was out, me and a buddy of mine, we were out uh, witnessing to people like just in Lake Marion, Lakeville, just at a park. And we were going to a couple other parks and stuff and just, you know, praying for people uh, and asking if they've ever heard about Jesus before. And so we're praying for a guy, uh, ends up giving his life to Christ. And (laughs) another guy, there's a party going on at the park. There's like a barbecue. And, uh, and so this guy from the party apparently comes over and starts asking us, he's like, you guys, you guys Christians? And I'm like, really? Like, yeah. <laughs> and, but it just kind of was awkward because there was just a lull in the conversation and it was like, okay. Yeah. But the, yeah. Like, what, are you up? weird like, Christians? Yeah. Or are you like cool Christians? <laughs> like what kind of Christians? He's like waiting. I'm like, but he just kind of was bug eyed, like looking at us and. Uh, it, was, it was just like an awkward interaction. Then all of a sudden, like my buddy, like interjected, he goes, well, like you want to invite us over to like the party? And we'll, 
And he's like, yeah, man, like, just introduce us to people and we'll tell them about Jesus. He goes, awesome. Right on, right on. Brings <laughs> us over, uh, to this, this, uh, this dude at the, at the party. And, uh, and the guy tells him, oh, these, these guys are Christians or whatever. They just were praying for some guy. And, and, uh, he goes, the guy sitting down goes, oh, like you guys are Christians. And he said, well, I'm a part of the LGBTQ community. Uh, and then stands up and is like, well, do you think, like, how do you, how do you feel about that? Do you think that I'm going to hell? <laughs> We're like, uh, 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 do, do you want to punch me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, is this a trap? Like I'm looking yeah. around, like, is, are people going to like beat me up or what's going to happen? And so my buddy like started telling him and beating around the bush like no other for five minutes. It's a lot different when people say, yeah, being gay is a sin yeah. uh, over a keyboard or from the pulpit. But when a, when a big dude that could whoop your butt uh, tells you that, it's a little bit, a little bit more uh, intimidating. And so that really brought me to, uh, you know, our conversation, actually argument where we were debating uh, about, you know, how far does God's grace really go? Because this man that was gay, uh, identified with being gay has a partner, but also said he was a born again believer mm-hmm. and he had the knowledge of the truth and, and believed Jesus was the only way to Christ. And he basically was telling us that you really think that he's going to send me to hell, uh, because of that. And that's the question that I want to dig into. And I want to see where scripture backs that. Is it really scandalous? Are we making it too scandalous of grace what did jesus pay for on the cross if we continue to sin uh so there you go if you're talking to the guy right now is he going to hell so now you're putting me in that (laughs) position where i'm so uh if he is truly a believer and he believed in his heart and confessed with his mouth he is not going to hell Hmm. and uh, i i know it's uh, for for people who uh, who want to believe that behavior determines whether you go to hell or not, there is nothing in the Bible that tells us that behavior sends you to hell. Now, Christ, it's, there's a thing called sanctification in which we give our life to Christ. That doesn't mean you immediately change at salvation. There may be things you get free from immediately when you give your life to Christ and you invite him into your heart. But the process of looking like Christ takes time. Mm. If, uh, if, if we start, and, and nowhere in the Bible does it, do we really see where, where there's this um, staging of sins, where there's certain stages that certain sins are worse than others. Mm. Um, in fact, there's a point in the Bible, place in the Bible that says, if you've committed one, it's as if you've committed them all, yeah. right? So when we sit here and he says, because I'm in the LGBT community, um, and he says, am I going to hell? That's like a person saying to you, I just stole a car. Am I going to hell? Or I lied. I struggle with lying. Am I going to hell? I believe in Jesus, and or I'm a glutton, and I overeat way beyond what I should. Am I going to hell? In our mind, naturally, most people will stage sin. They have stage four sin. They have stage one sin. And and I think most Christians, without saying, they'll all say sin is sin. But um, but most Christians that believe that a person with what in their mind, a big sin is going to hell, 
And we always look at other people's sin worse than we look at ours. So for that, because that's a very, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can already hear people tapping the keyboard right now. Writing a response. Um, and, and this is where it, it, I struggled with that. Because when you said that, like, I still struggle with that. Hebrews, because Hebrews 10, 26 says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. So my thing is, is like, well, if he continues to identify with that, uh, and not, and even though he knows the truth and it says in scripture and he knows what he ought to do and he doesn't and rejects it, what... What does that mean? So then I I would answer that question with this question, then who is saved? Because um, you say, well, you're willfully sinning. Every sin is willful sin. Hmm. Every sin is a willful sin. If Hmm. you lie, you willfully lied. You knew you were lying, but you willfully lied. If you stole it, you willfully stole. If you... If you took the Lord's name, you willful, it, all sin is willful sin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus said to the woman, uh, go and sin no more, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who, listening to this podcast, and he said this to the Pharisees, he who has no sin, throw the first stone, then tells the lady right after that, go and sin no more. Uh, do you think she did something that might have been sin? Yeah. After that, and and if you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, I cannot believe this pastor has said that it's okay to be in the LGBT community. You just misunderstood what I said. Never Hmm. said it was okay to be in the LGBT community. Never said that it was okay to operate in homosexuality. I never said that you should steal. I never said that what I said was, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. Mm -hmm. We really can't determine that salvation, but Jesus knows the person's heart. Mm -hmm. And if that person just invited Christ into their life and they've been part of that community, then then you think they're going to just be free Hmm. right away after giving their life to Christ? Hmm. Do you think they're going to believe it's even wrong right after or destructive to them? Uh, with that, now that I get, it's making more sense, like so, that would be like to say. So then, the 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 blood that Jesus shed on the cross wasn't in effect until basically he stopped having lusting after men, or wasn't in the relationship. Right. And then when you stop it there, is it when he breaks the speed limit until he, you know, it's is it reached until full sanctification, which you never can reach until you're in your glorified state when we're not affected by sin and our glorified bodies. So. Like you're, that's what you're saying. Like, where do you draw the line then when it comes to willful sin? Yeah. Well, sin is death. Yeah. Death encompasses sin, sickness, disease, all of those things. Right. And so if, if you're practicing something that the Bible or God's word says is, is destructive sin, it's destroying you. It's, Mm. it's, it's killing you. Mm -hmm. It's affecting you. We think the only reason it's wrong is because we're disobeying God. That is not the only reason it's wrong. Hmm. That's In fact, the reason God doesn't want you to do it is because he loves you and he doesn't want it to uh, destroy you. He doesn't want it to bring destruction to you. So, yeah, you, you invite Christ into your life. The source, the change is now in you, right? Mm-hmm. So 
it's going to change you as you draw closer to Christ. It's going to sanctify you, we call it, or change the way you, your desires of your heart, change the way you think. That's what repentance is. It changes the way you think, and you turn and you walk away. But anyone who says, yeah, I got saved, and then I never did a, another, another thing, well, who are you trying to fool? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all done things, hmm. and, and we knew we shouldn't do them. And it's pretty self-righteous for some people, and, and, and self-righteousness in and of itself is a sin, but it's pretty self-righteous of some people to think um, that uh, they have never willfully done something they knew was wrong and they did it, right? That when Christ purchased death and sin, did he purchase all of it or just some of it? He, the Bible says he purchased all the sin of the world, past, present, and future. Your sin, your disobedience already has an owner. There's a deed to it. Hmm. Jesus, through his blood and his life on the cross, don't diminish the cross. Don't diminish the cross by saying he only bought some sin. Hmm. He bought your willful sin. He bought your, if you say there's unwillful, he bought all sickness and disease. He bought it all on the cross. Hmm. It belongs to him. Because he owns it all, he gets to determine where it goes in eternity. Hmm. The, the people who will go where their sin takes, and you say, well, if he owns all the sin, then why do I have to worry about inviting Christ in my life. You have to make a decision to appropriate the gift he has to separate yourself from that death Mm -hmm. and say that now is his and and it's going to the lake of fire, to the sea of forgetfulness, and I am free from that because Christ Mm -hmm. purchased it for me. So for the belief, um, I also had this guy that we literally talked for three hours yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all these great questions. This was the di- the different guy that I originally mentioned that looked at, well, do you fast because you're trying to manipulate God? It's that guy. Um, and and he's he's asking about the faith and everything. And he goes, his hard thing was like, I, I know a lot of Christians that like they believe, but I know more scripture than them. And they don't live out like they actually do believe. And he's like, so can I just say this prayer with my mouth and then just keep doing whatever I want to do? And you know, to that, I don't think belief is just like, would you say that belief is just, I can go live like the devil, just this is an eternal investment plan that I know, like the demons know that he's real, but I'm working in opposition my whole life to him. Like yeah, well, believing and knowing him. are two different things. Knowing yeah. what you should do and believing it are but two different things. But even if you things. say the words, so if you were yeah, just Yeah, but to say, saying the words doesn't make you mm-hmm. believe. So you mm-hmm. can say the words and not believe. Yeah. You could say, yeah, I mean, you can say, I love the Green Bay Packers, but you don't. I wouldn't believe it <laughs> just because you said it, because I know you, right? Yeah. You don't believe it. Believing is doing. You do what you believe. Hmm. This is the thing I think has happened with the church. For years, the church said, pray this prayer with me, hmm. and you're going to be saved. Hmm. What we've done is make them think, if you yeah. just pray the prayer, you're going to be saved. You are not saved. If You, you can pray 100 prayers and not be saved. Mm-hmm. Prayer, it's, it's, it's in your heart. It, it says if you believe in your heart mm-hmm. and confess with your mouth, then you shall be saved. There is a uh, believing takes 
sometimes more time than we'd like to give yeah. attention to. Yeah. The reality is like in the days, there's uh, covenants, for instance. And there's so much more to this than, I, I mean, my mind is going everywhere on where we could go with this. Oh, but so much. but yeah. like if I were to make a covenant with you, yeah. uh, we would do a pre-covenant stage. So a lot of times someone comes and they hear you, you're sharing with the gentleman in the park about Jesus. And you say, you would, would you like to invite Jesus in your heart? And they said, well, yeah, you know, it sounds great. Yeah, I would. And you say, well, pray with me. And then you lead him in a prayer. And you say, brother, you just got saved. What you've just done is labeled where they're at as salvation. Hmm. When in reality, they probably never believed in their heart. They haven't made that decision to do it. They just prayed. It's called the pre-covenant stage. And in the Old Testament, when they would do a covenant, they would have a pre-covenant stage where they would agree on terms, and then they'd go away and think about it. Hmm. They would process it, consider it, they would let it marinate, and then they would come back and they would seal mm. the covenant. So there are a number of people who believe or think they're saved because they went to a funeral and they prayed the prayer that the preacher, and I've done yeah. this, and others yeah. have done this, and because they're prayer, and then they said, you're saved. No, you're not saved until you seal that with belief. You have mm. to believe, like, you know what? I believe, and that cannot happen without the Holy Spirit. Hmm. The it's Holy true. Spirit very, comes very and seals that, really, yeah. it, you're born again. It's mm -hmm. a birthing process. It's born in you. Mm -hmm. So the whole argument of saying, can I say I'm saved and go out and do anything I want and do it? Well, first of all, yes, you can. But it probably won't happen. Well, why? Well, it, it will happen. There will be things you'll go out and do that you'll do whatever you want, and then you'll be saved. Here's an illustration. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that God is okay with divorce? No. Okay. I don't think God wants people going out and just getting divorces. You know, you get yeah. in a fight, you do something that'll offend it, get a divorce, yeah. right? We would say, oh, that's messed up, right? Hmm. But we seem to be okay with the idea that God's okay with divorce. Hmm. That his son... We're his son's bride. His son is our bridegroom. Mm -hmm. And every time we do something that's sinful, he divorces us. <laughs> like the most dysfunctional relationship mm. in a Christian's life is usually the one they have with Jesus. Hmm. I mean, think about it. Yeah. Jesus, in their mind, divorces them every time they mess up. So we got to go back and get remarried. We, we fall away. I'm no longer going to heaven. Now I'm going to heaven. Now I'm not going to heaven. Now I'm not going. I'm so confused, right? But that's why Paul says, I do what I don't want to do, but I do it. It's not yeah. I that sin, but it's Roman sin seven. living in me, right? And yeah. then he says in eight, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Well, the only re way you could have condemnation is if you've been doing something that would elicit condemnation. And yet the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are born into the new and living way, into this mm -hmm. world that Romans 6 talks about. We've left the sin world. Mm -hmm. We've entered a grace-sovereign world, which means sin no longer has any place in the world yeah. in which we're living, right? So so if, if, if someone says... Um, uh, I've invited and genuinely has invited Christ into their life and yet sins 
and is even doing things, gossips, um, doing things that are just sin. Sometimes they know it is, sometimes they don't, but they're doing those sins. If they believe in their heart, confess with their mouth, they are Hmm. saved. Saved. The, the same thing in Romans 7 that I actually had pulled up and you led perfectly into there is another illustration that Paul gives about this idea of law and actions and what actually produces salvation. And when you understand this, I think it really, it really takes you back to like, wow, there's so much freedom in this that I sometimes forget about. Uh, Romans 7, it says, Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority for a man only as long as he lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage, just like the same way we were a slave to sin, even worse than just a husband or wife. We were a slave to sin, a slave to the law. The law wasn't bad, but it was the law that drew out the sin within inside us that wanted to rebel against it. And then therefore for the wages of sin produced death. And that was what we deserved. But because Jesus died, he gave us a way to believe in him, be grafted into the family of God. And when we're born again, we're no longer married to the law because we are now the bride of Christ in a relationship with him and not not receiving the punishment or death that that was supposed to take because we're already, you know, dead to life. Like our our Easter uh, sermon that we did back to life. That's what we talk about. And what an, uh, you know, amazing thing. And for those like... I know that's that's the thing I've caught myself doing, like when I pray with people and ask them to receive Jesus into their heart. Uh, the guy last night, I, I love his thinking because I was like, "Like, bro, I, I, I appreciate your honesty, and then your in, your intellectual honesty. Like, I'm why would, I'm not just gonna blindly believe this if I'm gonna do it. I want to make sure that uh, that this is this is real, and I believe, and I, and so I ended up praying for him. And I know what I did was planting a seed and that only like I'm blasphemous to think that my words can change anyone's life. Like it's the father that reveals that. And in Matthew 16, 16, we see that where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's looking at him. He goes, you know, like a lot of people are saying a lot of different things, some nice and some pretty mean. Uh, who do you say that I am? Because they're saying, well, there people are saying you're Elijah. People are right. saying this and that. And then he goes, who do you, who do you say that I am? And then Peter chimes in in Matthew 16, 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, I know that the, the, the father is the only one who could have revealed that to you. They'd seen a lot of stuff, right? They'd seen the miracles. They'd seen uh, his teachings and the crowds that followed him. But even face to face with Jesus following him, the father was the one that revealed it. Which is a crazy thing, and I think a lot of us got to step off our our high horse and thinking that the pride that we have that I can and I have to, I'm checked with this all the time that Alex, I know you think you're smart and you can communicate like and you're you're you got it figured out as well as the God of the universe, right? But I'm the only one that can change a human heart, and and he participates with you yeah. in doing it. Oh, I mean, the two of you do it together. Yeah, you know, um, going even going back to where you came, where the Holy Spirit reveals that to you, and the law and and all of those things. One, it's sin consciousness. Mm-hmm. If you're driving down the highway and you have a semi truck next to you and you stare at the semi-truck, eventually you're going to drive in the semi-truck. You run into what you're looking at. That's why Romans 7 says the law was death 
to them. Mm. So people will make statements. Well, if we just tell people that they don't have to, th- that they, they can do anything they want, then they're just going to do that all the time. It's chaos. Th- that would be actually contradicting the word. The word says that when, when you come to Christ, he changes the desires in your heart. Not only does it, d- d- do you stop doing it, you're to the other extreme. Hmm. You know, the Bible says that that you that your ability is you won't even not only will you not kill the person, you won't even hate the person. You know, the, the Bible says under the law, it says thou shalt not kill. Under grace, it says thou shalt not hate. The law of grace does more than the law of the law, the operation of the law. So an, an example of this was Adam and Eve in the garden. There was no Bible. There was no law in the garden. When Adam and Eve were born, they didn't say, what are all the rules, <laughs> right? They, were, they had the heart. They were created in the image of God, and they had a heart after, like, a, that desired the things of God, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until they disobeyed that sin and death entered the world. And, and then that's when the world just kind of ran down that road mm-hmm. of things. But the, the reality is, is when God is in your heart, he changes you. He gives you the ability to become. It's not knowing more. Mm-hmm. The tree of knowledge of good. This is what everybody misses. It was the tree of the knowledge of evil. That's all they think. They had the knowledge of evil. No, but it was the knowledge of good. They thought their knowledge of good could override the knowledge. They were self-righteous enough to think, if I just know good, I can then do overcome evil. Just like you were saying, my intellect can convince somebody to follow Christ. Well, you Mm. may win the argument and even persuade them, but the Holy Spirit is what draws their heart into a belief. Mm And, and where you are fully persuaded, where you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins, he purchased all of your sins, and therefore there's no condemnation in your life because he owns all of your sin. Yeah. And Completely. This, when you, you kept referencing Galatians, what you were talking about was Galatians 3. Mm-hmm. Oh, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you thinking they could earn salvation any other way. Um, man, and that's what is, happened because yeah. there were people of the law. Mm-hmm. Here, here's the interesting thing. Have you noticed how passionate Christians can get over other people's sin? Hmm. Like, it's like, oh man, we don't rejoice that Christ came and gave us grace, right? We're like, you better not do that. Yeah. You, uh, I don't want any of that greasy grace because you get that greasy grace and then people start going out and doing all the stuff they're doing on, and they get so irritated mm. with other people's sin that doesn't even impact them or affect them. It actually affects that person. It destroys that person in it mm. and they get more worked up about that. And you can have people that are going out and winning people to Christ. They're, they're healing the sick. They're doing miracles. And if they do something that's a sin, there are people pointing and attacking them. And when in reality, these people are kind of hiding their sin, pretending like they don't do any of it, and they're not winning anyone to Jesus. They're not doing any miracle signs or one. They're more caught up in just trying to figure out how to not 
disobey, mm. right? And and in it, they're disobeying because yeah. the Bible says, go ye therefore in all the world and preach the gospel every... And they're not doing that, but it's not one of those sins that, you know, in stage that would four... That disqualify, right? yeah. You know, it, whether it's drugs and alcohol, like we... I mean, think about it. We see the person who's struggling with alcoholism or drug drug addiction worse than the person who's struggling with gossiping. And yet the drug addiction and alcoholism is affecting first that person the most and those around them. But this is affecting the entire body of Christ. Hmm. This isn't just affecting the people you're talking about and the people surrounding. It affects the entire body. You're sinning against the entire body of Christ wow. when you do that. And yet this, we wouldn't say is sending anybody to hell, but this one is. Hmm. So it's interesting. It, I mean, there, there's it's freedom. The only this the only part that I've struggled with, and and it was hard. I grew up in a home that was um, you you backslid every week. I mean, yeah. I could go to the altar every week and have to ask for forgiveness. I was afraid that I might do something right before a car accident and die. Yeah, and then go to hell. Mm-hmm. It's like we almost feel like if I got to live this way, then everybody else has got to live this way. And we get all Mm -hmm. caught up in everybody else's stuff rather than just rejoicing in his grace. And when the Lord really began to reveal it to me that I've been forgiven, right? Mm -hmm. Of things I haven't even done yet, God's forgiven me. That's an incredible sense of peace. Hmm. Like things I haven't even done yet, God's forgiven me of. Praise the Lord. Hmm. I don't have to live worried about my future. He's already taken that on so i can live with a breath yeah when you he know? said it was finished it wasn't currently in progress or he said on that cross when it was finished i, th- I think he meant it yeah he it's he, done this it, is over with i'm taking it all and he sat down it says in hebrews he sat down because his work was done <sighs> and he takes it so if i'm sitting there and i and i know one i i'm I, there's gratitude like god thank you those there there are attitudes that demonstrate when somebody gets saved. One, you recognize where you were mm-hmm. and what God did for me. Mm-hmm. That attitude is really a fruit on the tree of salvation, where mm-hmm. you can see, wow, you know. I think we need to pay attention more to the fruit of the Holy Spirit instead of all of the other things, yeah. because you really start to see the fruit growing on that tree, and that really kind of points. To who you know who are believers and who are not believers, but the one thing that I've struggled with, and um, and 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 I've had this conversation is forgiveness. It's an incredible thing because in communion, uh, in the la- and and when we do communion, um, the cup represents salvation; it covers all of our sins, right? But the bread represents the body. Hmm. And, and I still hear people doing communion, and they think they, they say it's the same, and it's not. They, they have a connection, but they're not the same. The body is about unity. Yeah. It's about a horizontal relationship. Mm-hmm. The blood is about this vertical relationship, and they both intersect mm-hmm. at the same place. It's love one another as I have loved you. And, and understanding that he loved us at our worst place, he loved us. But now we need to love people at their worst, worst place. And this is as vital to our, our future as this is. Hmm. And I think this is where most of those Christians who would get upset with me saying, 
that somebody who's an LGBT, if they genuinely believe in their heart, confess with their mouth, and they're in that community, they're going to heaven. Hmm. Because the Bible doesn't say you need to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and then stop sinning these things as an open door to salvation. It doesn't yeah. say that. Yeah, my, my, my thing, and like this is came up and reminded me what Jonah did, um, you know, isn't that there's like repentance, though. Like the people, they... God is compassionate and he's gracious. And even to the Assyrians that Jonah came, the Ninevites, uh, and he came because God gave him a word and wanted them to be saved. He didn't want to do destruction, but the their evil had reached him and he wanted to go tell them. Right. And then as soon, he, it says like in the scripture, it was a sentence that he said, yet 40 days and you'll be overthrown. And then it got to the, the Ninevite people and then the governor of the state. And then they all were not let, don't let the herd, don't let anybody eat, put on sackcloth. He sat in ashes and turned from their, their sin that God may relent. And God saw this and he relented because they turned from their wicked ways. Yeah, but, but so that's the hard thing. To, yeah, but I think that's the compute. Let's put that in a box and set it right over here for a moment. Yeah. Let me finish this other part. That, that body mm-hmm. is forgiveness, mm-hmm. right? And you have to see people differently. Yeah. Okay? So the Bible says if, if in, in two different places, one at the Lord's Prayer, another in a parable that Jesus said, forgive as you've been forgiven. And if you don't forgiven, you, there will be no forgiveness for you. It says it twice. Hmm. So the only place in the Bible where it says, talks about forgiveness and we, we look at forgiveness of sins and not is in those two places. So for me, holding odd against somebody, I think is as important to your salvation as what Christ did when he purchased your sins, hmm. right? That, that when you receive forgiveness from God, you will give forgiveness yeah. to one another, right? Now let's come back to this box and just set it over here. I think what we do is we take a snapshot of the moment and we say, is that person a believer? This is where they're at. This is what they believe. They can't be a believer because that's not how a believer works. Well, we know for a fact that Alex Preston, who gave his life to Christ three, four, five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, whenever it was, is a different, more mature Christian than you were then. Mm Mm-hmm. There were activities that were part of your life that were destroying your life Mm -hmm. that over five years had changed. Mm -hmm. Your behaviors changed. Your view has changed. You've repented. Believers don't just repent one time. And repentance means change the way you think, change the direction you're going. Repentance is a a act. It's a process of maturity in Christ. Mm You repent all the time. Every time a lie is revealed by a truth God gives us, we repent. Hmm. And repentance isn't saying, I'm sorry, I will never do it again. Repentance is saying, I got a revelation of the truth, and now I'm not doing that anymore because Mm -hmm. the truth set me free, right? (laughs) The truth, freedom is not the absence of something in our life. It's the presence of someone. So when truth, Jesus, reveals a new, he puts the light on, he reveals something into your life, that revelation enables you to change the way you're going. So this gentleman gives his life to Christ, and we go up and say, well, you're not going to heaven. 
Well, why not? Because you're in the LGBT community. Who are you to step into the relationship of this man in Christ? Let's say it was a genuine transformation, but we happened to come to him uh, six months after he gave his life to Christ. He's in the regenerative process or sanctification process, and God is the one. The Holy Spirit's the one who convicts the hearts of man. You think that man's going to change? Sure he is. According to the Holy Spirit, at some point he's going to have uh, th that behavior, which is destroying him, is going to be confronted by truth. Mm. And the truth will liberate him from the effects of the lie that have been impacting his life. And you say, well, I should be the one that brings the truth to him because I, well, what's your purpose in doing that? Mm. Did the Holy Spirit call you to do that? Did the Holy Spirit give you a word to speak in him? Because if you're trying to get people to change uh, based on your preaching, like you're going to go to those people and say, you're wrong, you're going to hell if you don't change. Who are you to say that when the Bible says they may be going to heaven because hmm. they believe in their heart and confess with their mouth? This behavior is hurting you. Oh, so you're a believer. Okay, that's awesome. Well, let's talk about the Lord. So with that gentleman, let's talk about the Lord. And, and I would just I've tested the spirit to see mm. if he really genuinely got saved. And if he did, then I know that even though that's the way he sees the world through the lens of the lies, he current, he's, he was a prisoner that has been set free, but now he's rediscovering a whole new world mm. and a whole new way of thinking. And the Holy spirit doesn't change that overnight. Yeah. That's a process that happens over time. And so if my goal is to get people to come to Christ, the Holy Spirit then uses, brings people, participates with people to say, he says, man, my life's been a mess and, and this has been a problem in life. And, and then we come and say, well, let's look at what the word says. The word says that that homosexuality is destructive. It wasn't God's plan for your life. And now that you're walking with Christ, he wants to reveal his plan to you. And this is in his plan for his life. Mm -hmm. And and he's emotionally tied to this other person. He's in a place where he loves this person. And you say, well, but but that relationship was mm. not God's plan for your life. He isn't going to be able to just break it off. He's yeah. got a soul tie to that person. Yeah. In order for that to happen, he needs the Holy Spirit to begin to work in mm. him. If you go and try to make that happen before the Holy Spirit's ready to do it, you're the one pulling the cart. The Holy Spirit needs to be the one that is leading the way of sanctification in a person's life, not us, just because we don't like it. And we get this attitude, and a lot of times we confront sin in other people, not because the Holy Spirit's asking us wow. to do it, but because we have an attitude toward it, and, and we don't love that person. We're just going at people, tell them, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, you better change your behavior with this attitude not of love. We don't see them as God sees them. We see them as doing something that we're objectionable to, that, that we don't like your behavior. We don't want that. And we almost cancel culture with them. Like, like you're just, and we attack them rather than speak life into it, their identity. Hmm. And so you have to be patient. You have to be just using the tree of knowledge to tell them they're wrong isn't going to set them free. The knowledge of telling them they're wrong and what's good is it. You need to operate in the life and revelation that God is going to give. And when you give a revelation to someone, it's incredible what God will do through that revelation and how you set them free. It's the, um, you know, I, I, God's been showing me this recently as I 
lead people to Christ and participate, I should say, mm-hmm. leading, uh, participating uh, with Christ on this and how really his sovereignty is. Like, it's him. Like, Alex, it's me who does that. I remember, like, testing this theory. Like, mm-hmm. it got, I remember saying, Jesus, if you've come and not a name that's been given to you by your father has slipped from your hand, meaning he knew the names. That's why when he died on the cross, he knew who would be his sheep and who would hear his voice and come to him. If he already knows, like, God, here I am, like Samuel, your servant is listening. Would you, if, if I know your will is to save them, God, would you let me hear and be obedient to where you're calling? And, and I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready when you are. Send them my way. Like, I'm ready because I'm not focusing right. on my own sin. And I remember, like, as I was praying this, uh, that there was like, it was either that night or the next night I had someone reach out to me and said, Hey, I need to get closer to God at 3am in the middle of the night. Like just woke up and it was crazy. It was like thing after thing after thing, just randomly. Like I couldn't even like say that it was me. It was all these different people that are like, Hey, I, do you have anything? I, I want to get closer to God. I want to know God more. And I'm like, God like really humbled me there and was like, see, you've been working a lot harder than you need to. Like yeah. I'm the one who does it. Are you going to be uh, a participant with me? Let me do the heavy lifting. And will you participate with me on this? I think, uh, you know, everything you said was was really good. And it, and it really shows the sovereignty of God. Like, you know, Alec, and that's what's given me peace, actually. Like, not just in my salvation and my life, but also those I love. Well, and, and, and when you were talking about this, this is it, something was coming to me while you were talking. You have to really ask yourself, is the reason I'm talking to this person because I want them to come to Jesus or I want them to behave differently? What is the objective? Hmm. Do I want them to behave differently or do I want them to come to Jesus? Hmm. And, and if you want them to come to Jesus because Jesus is the one, the source, the change their attitudes, the change hmm. their everything, then it's all about teaching them to come to Jesus. Here's a great example. When we, in 1997, we had a number of people in the church I was at, we, we had a move of God. This was during the whole Brownsville thing. Hmm. And people throughout, like hundreds of people came to know Jesus. And when they were done, we, when they would come to the altar, we'd say, pray this prayer with us. And then, uh, then we'd tell them, you're now saved. You're in the kingdom of God. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we would say there are five things you need to do. You need to stop hanging out with the people. You need to stop. You need to stop. You need to stop. You need to stop. Hmm. Since then, I've looked at that and said. What we did was said, you know, all that condemnation you feel about the sin you're in and you're going to hell. We just took it away. Now let's give you the condemnation of heaven. <laughs> Essentially, what we should have said is if you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth and you believe this is true, you're saved. Hmm. If you just said, I want to believe, but I don't know that I believe yet, then we want to walk with you and help you through this process. And then when you do, we want to show you how to hear from God, Hmm. how to pursue God how to know his voice, yeah. how to have a relationship hmm. with God that isn't a genie to, uh, 
a genie relationship where he's just there for everything I want, yeah. but I have no idea how to interact with him. If we would make that our objective to teach people how to interact with God, how to hear from God, how to discover God, how to pursue God, you wouldn't have to tell them how to change. Mm. The Holy Spirit would tell them and lead them with people how yeah. to do the change. We've made it all about getting them to change. Like we feel like, okay, you've invited Christ in your life. If we can't get you to change your behavior, you're going to hell still. It didn't work. It mm -hmm. didn't stick. We've made it about the behavior. That's what religion does. Yeah. Religion makes it about behavior. Christ came to have a relationship with people. And that's why he went to the tax collectors, the worst, the worst. That's why when he came and went to the shepherds on, on Christmas Day, he went to the shepherds who are the worst of the worst. Is It was about relationship with be people, not, not their behaviors. Those behaviors hurt you. And if you're listening to this and you're, you're saying, oh, I, I love it. I can keep doing whatever I want and be saved. First thing you got to ask yourself is, if you believe that you're saved, then you know Jesus Christ loves you more than anything else in this world. Mm -hmm. He loves you. And you can go on and keep doing what you're doing. But friend, let me tell you this. What you're doing will destroy your life. And rather than just running into it full board thinking, well, praise God, I can be saved and keep doing it. You have to recognize it breaks God's heart because you're taking him with you into that. You're taking, and he wants to set you free so that your life can prosper the way he created you to prosper. And, and something, if you really do believe in your heart, something will be in there that wants mm -hmm. to know him. Yeah. If there's no pursuit, no desire to know him, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you pray to prayer. I don't care which, if there isn't something in you that pursues him, then you haven't really, you don't believe in your heart. You know about mm -hmm. it, but there's, there's nothing there that wants to pursue him. Yeah. That's the spirit that you, that will t attest with his spirit mm -hmm. is the spirit of wanting to pursue him. Mm -hmm. And the spirit he gives us cries out, Abba, father, an intimate uh, relationship with one, like to a, a little kid asking for his daddy. Yeah. Like, um, what a beautiful, like a crazy thing that it, it really, I think we, you know, even like in ministry, sometimes I think we can get very far and speaking for myself far in the weeds with, you know, the, you know, walking people through stuff and you're, and you're trying to teach and you're trying to, you know, make sure you're doing the right thing. And then you kind of forget about, you know, how you were saved, like what saved you in the first place and how like scandalous it was that you're just like, I don't even understand God. Why, why me that? And if, and if, if you did have that relationship and that understanding and how much he loves you, um, you wouldn't want, you wouldn't take advantage of someone's love. You wouldn't take advantage of your wife's love for you or your husband's love for you because they love you. Does that mean that, Oh, now I'm going to take all the money they can get. Like I can, I can get out of them. I can manipulate them to be my slave. And like, like if that's the mindset, like I would, you know, I would ask the same thing. Like, do well, you really think, believe in your heart? Th think of, think of what you just said. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't take advantage of my wife's love. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So when someone, when somebody does something that in the church is determined, this is sin. Right. Mm -hmm. 
we would say that's taking advantage of his love. That's true. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. How? You're manipulating a free gift that he gave and said, well, actually, you have to. This is what you have to do before you receive it. Why are we going to hell? Because we don't believe that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except Well, we were born dead, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's why Jesus said, Nicodemus, Mm -hmm. you need to be born Born again. again. Hmm. We were born dead. Are you going to hell because of all of the behavior stuff that you did? No. You're going to hell because you were born dead. Son of Adam. So if if you're taking advantage of his love, Mm -hmm. right, you're doing things, what you do, like the behavior you do. So this is the part that I think a lot of Christians, we're so steeped in religion that we don't even know when we say things, we miss it. Like... We're taking advantage of grace when we do behavior that's sin. Mm -hmm. Who is it harming? Me. Yeah. So how am I taking advantage of grace? I would say manipulating is a better thing. I know it's like I'm I'm not... not, I wouldn't say taking advantage. I would say manipulating. Like people that... People would look at that and say, well... You're just, you're milking the system. You don't really believe. But, but why are we saying you're milking the system? I'm saying for those who don't truly believe in their heart. I know. That they th- that's think, where I'm trying to yeah. go because this is a, what you're saying mm-hmm. is a very, it's a religious type of response. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm going to use grace to mm-hmm. be able to do things mm-hmm. that I, and we'll all get worked up because, ah, oh, they're just using grace to be able to go out and keep saying. And we get almost upset with that. Yeah. We, we miss the whole context of it. Mm-hmm. Like grace was given to us as a gift, right? Yeah. To enable us yeah. to overcome the things that are destroying us. Mm-hmm. What we think, though, and this is what people think, the reason I need grace is because God then forgives me for doing things that affect him. Yeah, no. That That's the typical Christian. Like, I, the only reason I don't want to do this is not because it hurts me, but because it makes God mad at me if I do it. Mm-hmm. And grace gives me the freedom to be able to do that thing that I don't have a problem with, but God has a problem with. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that's the attitude where Christ didn't just create rules to try to keep us out of heaven. Yeah. God, God's not trying to keep people out of heaven. Yeah. Anyone who says that doesn't understand the cross yeah. and what the whole cross experience was about. Mm-hmm. The cross was a bridge to get people from where they were at and where they couldn't get from to where God wanted to take them, where he was their source. Hmm. He's their tree of life. Yeah. Is it? No, no, it, it makes it, sense. It, I know you're you're saying like, but that's not what exactly I meant. But I, it was a good like, like point. Like, but I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, the 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 the, the when we look, at, you gotta look at sin correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, God loves you with a love that is not described, that can't be described. It's yeah. it, we have nothing to compare it to on the earth. Mm-hmm. So when we destroy ourselves, it it genuinely breaks the heart of God Yeah. when we do things that destroy us. It's apparent relationships, the only way you can look at it yeah. really close enough. 
But we think the reason God doesn't want us to do it is because God's putting these rules in place, and it's like he's almost using them to keep you out of heaven. Yeah. We've made sin almost king Mm -hmm. in our life. Our lives, think about it. Our lives are often controlled. Our attitude, our heart, condemnation, and guilt, all of those things have been controlled by sin. We let sin rule in our life. When sin no longer has rule in your life, and, and you allow God to do that through gra- his grace and his unmerited favor in our mm-hmm. life, then sin has no longer the ability to cause you to keep falling into it. Yeah. That's good. So if someone's listening to this right now, all that being said, uh, just like that guy I talked to yesterday, and he's like, I, I have some stuff to chew on, but he let me pray for him. Like, what would you say now? Like, um, what would be their next step? Would it be community? Beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, mm-hmm. right? It's good news. Yeah. It's good news. Mm-hmm. Many Christians are bringing bad news to people. They're, they're preaching a gospel that comes across as bad news. Mm-hmm. It's good news. And I think mm-hmm. when we take the gospel to people, which is good news means good news, gospel means good news, which is Jesus died on the cross for you just the way you are, if you never change. That's not why he died. He yeah. died so that he could become your source of change. And he will change you. We know that. Mm-hmm. The reality is, could you be saved and never change? Yes, but that won't happen. Mm-hmm. Because when you're in Christ... Uh, John 15 says that you will bear fruit when you're engrafted into the vine. The source of life in the vine will go into the branch and that branch will bear fruit. Mm -hmm. So I bear fruit because of Christ in me. I mm-hmm. don't bear fruit because I'm trying harder, because you've convinced, convinced me that I should stop doing that. I bear fruit because the life in me changes the desires of my heart from a sin nature to a, a life-giving nature. And, and when you mature in Christ, it's a process that God works out in you. It's not something, it's not, it's like you get to rest in Christ. Your Hebrew says it's a Sabbath rest. So you go to Christ you work all you do is work on your relationship with Christ mm-hmm. and he works on the rest in you. Yeah, it's good. Um, if you guys do want to make that decision, um, all you gotta do it starts with confession and believing in your heart. Believing in your heart. Now I do have a, a group uh, online that a lot of other people have joined as we've been going on TikTok lives and, and lives uh, for our church. Uh, Bethel's Rock, if you want to join that and want to know more about this God, but you're like, I can't make the decision right now, Alex, that's totally okay. Uh, I want to be able to partner with you and let's look at the word. What does the word say? Let's look at the validity of Christ. Was he actually a historically uh, real person? Did he actually say that he was God? Uh, We'll walk through all these different types of questions. And ultimately, uh, all I'm doing is I'm the wingman for God. I'm just introducing you to him uh, and ultimately his relationship, your relationship with him is going to change things, not my articulation of this good news. So if you want to join that, you can email me at pastoralex at bethelsrock.org. You can fill out an online connect card by texting BROCKBELONG 
to 77411 there. You'll get a link that you can click, fill out that form. I'll get a direct text message uh, that'll let me know that you're interested and you want to be a part of this group. Uh, but again, it's texting 77411 uh, with the word B Rock Belong, and it'll give you that text message. Or you can just email me, and you've seen them all on the screen throughout this uh, this this podcast anyway. So, but if you're listening, if you want to join, go ahead uh, and do that. We love you guys. Uh, thanks again for always joining the conversation. We're here if you have questions, you need someone to talk to. Uh, we pray that you'd have a blessed day and rest of your week, and we will see you on the next episode.